Good morning. My name is Brett. I am pastor of this people. It's good to see all of you, but especially our guests. Welcome. Glad to have you here, and thank you for choosing to make us your church home for an hour. You who are online, welcome. Merry Christmas to you. And we as a congregation love the Christmas season. Um, Easter is equally as great. It's just that the Christmas season is longer. We get four full weeks to do something that emphasizes the coming of the Lord, the Advent. And for the next four Sundays, we will do that, emphasizing what it means to prepare our hearts for his coming. Now, I, I don't believe he's coming back in bodily form, though I wish he would. Gosh, I wish he would. To wind this thing up wouldn't disappoint me at all. But I just think we're probably going to see January, 21, January 1st of 2022 be a reality. I think we're still going to be here trying to figure out how to slog through all that we are struggling to, to, to create normal. And uh, through that, growing. And not just growing as a congregation in America, but growing as people understanding what redemptive benefit means to flow through us to other people who desperately need it. So we prepare not for his bodily coming, though I would love that. We prepare for his coming to our lives. God wants to visit you on a regular basis. Your prayer life, your devotional life. He wants to visit you while you are here. He wants to visit you in your commute so you don't get so mad at those folk who cut you off. He wants to visit you regularly. And we need to prepare for his coming as if he were bodily coming tomorrow. That we want his, his power and presence with us as real as if he were here in person. And feel the blessing of being a people that don't have the privilege of having him here in person. Thomas, when he saw Jesus after he rose from the dead, was blown away before he had doubted whether Jesus was actually risen from the dead because the other disciples said he was, but he wasn't there when Jesus showed up the first time because he'd, he'd pretty much given up, gone about his ways, decided to figure out something else to do. And told the disciples, after the disciples told him that they had seen the Lord, he said, I won't. I won't believe it until I see the nail prints in his hands and in his feet. Thomas happens to be with him a week later. Jesus shows up, and the first thing Jesus says is, uh, hey, Tom, come here. Uh, see my hands? See my feet? Meaning he heard what Thomas said when he wasn't in the room. God hears you. He hears everything you say. And Thomas was sitting there thinking, did, did one of y'all tell him? Did one of y'all tell him? And he heard. And he said, oh, Lord, my God, I believe. He said, great, that's wonderful, but blessed. More happy, fortunate are those who believe and don't see. We need to experience the blessing that comes from believing that his presence is with us even if we cannot see it. And what's really important and critical to the, to the progress of the gospel in the world is that we feel that we are people that build on-ramps for his presence to come where people can feel it though they don't see it. And that's all that Grace Loves is. Building on-ramps into people's lives with physical provisions 
that they might understand a little bit more about who he is, even though they can't see him, but they can see him in us. And what we want is Christ to be seen in us to the rest of the world, and we want to, to see the, 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 the person of, of Christ born in our lives in ways like we haven't seen before so that we can manifest him differently. We want to prepare for his coming to our lives and be those that help others receive him as we bring them to theirs. Turn with me over to the book of Luke. Book of Luke. <clears throat> the series we're going to begin is called Prepare for His Coming, Walking with Others. Prepare for His Coming, Walking with Others. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. Luke 1, 39 through 45. Now at this time, Mary rose went and went in a hurry to the hill country, to, to a city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. 43. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what the Lord had spoken to her. Lord, help us as we study your word today. This is just a fabulous story that sometimes gets overlooked as being an on-the-way encounter to something that was so important. And it is on the way, but it's not just an on-the-way encounter. Encounter. Here we have Mary, and this entire first chapter of Luke is showing how the construction process was underway by God to prepare for the two most important human beings in that generation to be birthed. We all know who Mary was, the mother of the Christ child. But Zechariah and Elizabeth are two figures that kind of slip off into the shadows. But they were the mother, they were the parents of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had a real role in seeing Christ's ministry be much more impactful than it would have been if, if he had not come. His job was to prepare the way for Christ to plow the hearts of people, to sow seed so that the ministry of Jesus could actually be more effective. And without him, Jesus would have had to do so much more. And here, Zechariah and Elizabeth, in the earlier parts of this chapter, are met by God in, a, in an unusual way. Zacharias happens to be a part of the priestly order, and so he was fulfilling his duties in Jerusalem. His wife, Elizabeth, and, and, and him have been believing for a child for almost probably 40 years. We, we don't have how old they were uh, when, this, when this occurred, but we do know it says that they were both aged, up in years, and they were barren without children. Zacharias says he's performing his priestly duty in the temple. All of a sudden, an angel shows up. Now, it was normal for people who were priests to perform their priestly duties and then just do what they were supposed to do and then walk on out. They've done their duty before God. But it wasn't real normal to have an encounter with God or with one of his emissaries like an angel. That, wasn't, that didn't happen every day. And this angel shows up as Zacharias is performing his, his duty. And he says, 
You are one favored dude. The Lord has answered your prayer. You and your wife are going to have a baby. And you would think Zacharias would be, wow, not only are we, an, an angel showed up from heaven and told me this. This baby must be really special. I mean, every, lots of people have babies in Israel, but they aren't announced by angels. This, wow, this is going to be so cool. You'd think he would be excited. If only be excited about the supernatural, that God is actually showing up and telling you you're going to have a child and going to produce this. Like, wow! And what he says is this. How can this be? Now, why would he be so cynical? Except that, uh, you know, he prayed this prayer like 40 years ago. And now he, he just got his first AARP membership. <laughs> he's collecting Social Security. And he's really not interested in running around trying to figure out how to stop a two-year-old from jumping off a, a, a balcony. So he's, he's, he's working really hard to say, is this really the best time? Are we the right people? Are you really, really... How can this be? And he is so filled with doubt and unbelief, cynicism, that the angel says to him, this minister, this man who is responsible for the word of God, tells a minister, because you are so messed up in the way you think and what's coming out of your mouth, you will not talk for nine months. He doesn't really tell him the time period. We just know it's nine months. You won't talk until it's time for you to talk. Now, you know you've done something when you shut up a preacher. We can do some talking. That's our limit. Quiet was he. Because he'd mess up his wife. <laughs> Where he was so discouraged and confused and cynical. Can you imagine the joy that was brought to Elizabeth? I mean, it's, <laughs> there are very few people in the Bible who had babies in their aged years. Be beyond the time when they were supposed to bear children. Very few. And if you had never had children, there was this cultural thing, not biblical, cultural thing, that somehow you were cursed. Now, there were some people who may have experienced a curse on their life for some kind of disobedience, and as a result, they weren't able to bear children. That does happen. But simply because you weren't able to bear children doesn't mean that you were cursed. But that was the norm, that everybody thought, what did they do in order to not experience the normal things that are the blessing of God regarding husband and wife relations, children? It's the first thing God told Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply. If somebody can't multiply, something must be really wrong with them. And I imagine everybody in the community was saying, yeah, they're sweet. Yeah, they love God, but they must have done something. And all of a sudden, now they've got a baby that not only is just a baby, which would have been enough, just having a baby, but a baby announced by God. Supernatural. She is so happy. And Zachariah would have messed it up every day. Sweetheart, we're going to have a baby. I know. <laughs> I'm so excited. Glad you are. You won't talk. You, you're going to be shut up. for. And he was. He didn't say a word. But this child would be John the Baptist. He would be the one that would prepare the way of the Lord. I say all of that because Elizabeth is one of the central figures of the story we just read. And we pick it up where now Mary, after Elizabeth has gotten this information, Mary gets her information from the angel Gabriel saying that you are going, you've been chosen to bear the Christ child. 
she says, same words as Zacharias says. How will this be? But with a different tone. Zacharias was, how's this going to be? She was, how will this be? Because I'm a virgin. She just didn't know. Nobody had ever born a child without a man. She's asking a legit question. How's this going to happen? And then Gabriel says, oh, the, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for this reason, this baby will be called the Son of God. And he says this next. And your relative Elizabeth, who was once barren, is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. At that word, when the angel Gabriel says all that, she then says, Mary, well, let it be done to me according to your word. Whatever it takes, I'm willing to do it. Boy, those are the most courageous words ever spoken. There may be some equal, but none more so. Because God, God was about to wreck her life. She was probably about 15, 16 years old. She was betrothed to a great guy, Joseph. Great guy. And all you women know, it's hard to find one of those. <laughs> when you find one, you don't want to lose them. But Lord, I got a really good man. I can, you know, all the questions that you would have had, ladies, I would have had. Can't, can't we do this after we say I do? I got a really good man. Like, what am I going to tell? Joseph, I'm, I'm pregnant. And the daddy's God. That's not going to go over well at all. He's not going to believe me. It's going to be a real. And what am I going to tell my parents? And what, what is the community? This, Lord, you got me at the wrong time. These are all the things that are running through her brain. But she doesn't mention one of them. She just says, let it be done to me according, just like you have. No addendums. No add-ons. Just just like you said. Wow. What a 16-year-old. But she knows she's got some problems because a betrothal was very different than an engagement, though they were, for us, about the same thing. Now, an engagement means this. That somebody, some man, has asked a woman to be his partner exclusively for the rest of his life and hers. And he has sealed that request with something of value. Generally, proposals don't come without some gift, some pledge of my commitment to you that is non-returnable. <laughs> it is a gift. I don't get it back if it doesn't work out. It's a risk. Will you please? And this is my pledge of love. It's an engagement ring. That's what we use today. And most engagement rings have some degree of value. Usually they aren't purchased at Target. Usually. I mean, when I, when I asked my bride to, to marry me, I was making $7,000 a year. That's it. And uh, I, I realized I wasn't bringing her into much. And so I went, I, I saved my little pennies and I went out and got a, a, an engagement ring. Um, they, ring if you don't, don't know anything about diamonds, there are carrots, 
that, that, are, that are, you know, pretty substantial. And then they come in varying degrees of clarity and color. Um, I wasn't in the carrot range. <laughs> and I wasn't in the clear color range. And I, I had a lot of flaws in my little diamond. Um, and so if you know anything about clarity, mine was about a VS two and a half to three. And I had a, a quarter of a carrot. Now, that's just above a fleck. Just, I'm not lying, just above a fleck. It's a very small diamond. But I went out and got it. I didn't have any money. I went out and got it. And I uh, asked her to marry me. She said yes. So I realized there are, there are things that, that should convey much more than they do in their intrinsic value. But when you don't have a lot, you give what you can. And percentage-wise... The, the proportion to what I had was just as much as if Bill Gates had gone out and bought a 20-carat, beautifully clear white diamond. That's how much I love my bride. Betrothal was even bigger than that. Jacob, Old Testament, the guy who got his name changed to Israel, was running from his brother Esau, and he had to leave because Esau was trying to kill him. Go back and read the story. He goes up to his uncle Laban, who happens to be the brother of his mother. And he camps out for almost 20 years up there, about 20 years. But as soon as he arrives, he sees Laban's daughter. Her name is Rachel. They are first cousins. Back then, you could do this. First cousins. <laughs> Somebody's wondering, can we do it today? Jacob sees Rachel. She's gorgeous. I mean, top 10 model gorgeous. He says to Laban, now he's run away from his brother with just the clothes on his back. He's got nothing. And he says, I want her for my wife. And I realize I've got nothing to give you because the man who wanted a woman to marry had to give the father a bride price. It was supposed to equate to the amount of resources that the father had invested in raising his daughter and now would not get anything back because she was going to serve another. Please, don't try to place monetary value on somebody buying somebody. It wasn't like that. This is just different. But it wasn't cheap. And Jacob realized a woman of stature really costs a whole lot more. If you, want, if you happen to be a prince and you want to marry a princess, you've got to give a bride price. And generally speaking, that's millions of dollars for the rights to acquire that woman's hand in marriage from, the, from her father, who is another king. The stature of the woman will, will, will uh, begin to dictate how much you give in order to acquire her hand. And Rachel was amazing. Jacob realized, I'm not going to get her for cheap. So he says, I don't have anything, but, but I'll give you what I got. I have a strong back, and I'm a good laborer. So I will give you seven years of my labor for her hand in marriage. Seven years? What's your annual salary? Multiply by seven. That's a serious engagement ring. When you went into a betrothal and you paid that kind of money that was non-refundable, it was so serious that if there was going to be a separation between the woman and the man, that there had to be divorce papers written up. 
because he paid so much. I lay out this because whatever it was that Joseph paid, the daddy, in order to get that daddy's daughter Mary, it wasn't a little bit. It wasn't a little bit. So you can see the pressure on Mary now. Uh-oh. What? Uh, uh. <laughs> you know, he worked like really long to get the money in order to... I'm supposed to be... Whoo! This is going to be interesting. She didn't know how to communicate anything to anybody. Who would? What are you going to say to your parents? What are you going to say to Joseph's parents? What are you going to say to your youth pastor? I mean, she was the best, best youth in the whole church. She got gold stars for scripture memorization all the time. What do you say to Joseph? What do you say? So she's saying, yes, this is good. Okay, let it be done to me according to your word, but... But I need, I think I need some, I'm only six, 16, I think I need some help. Wait, 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 wait. What do you say? What, 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 who, who's praying? Elizabeth. He says something about Elizabeth who was barren. Ah, oh, okay, that must be, okay, it says this. That when she heard this, she immediately got up. Not just when she heard that she was going to bear the Christ child, but when she heard that her relative Elizabeth, who was barren, is now in her sixth month, she got up. There is something about receiving the word from God out of the mouths of others that will inspire you to move from where you are. You can't just stay there. I beg you, I'm so happy you're here. I like it when you show up, whether it's either in person or virtually. I enjoy it. But I want you to get as much out of your showing up as you're supposed to. My inspiration is not just to make you happy. You didn't come just to get a a, a wonderful soliloquy. You're supposed to get something that inspires you to move from wherever you are to another place. And it says that she arose. The things that are said from this stage ought to make you go to another level. But there's nothing I can do to pull you there. You've got to hear and say, oh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me today through that little black man with a bow tie. I think I'm going to go to a different spot. I'm going to go to a different spot today. I I heard something that's going to elevate me in my soul. My mind is going to be different about how I look at my employees tomorrow or my supervisor or my family or my wife. I'm going to be different. I'm going to move to another level. I'm not going to let the circumstances begin to dictate how I view my life. I'm going to see it from up here, not down here. She arose. And when God speaks to you something about what he wants to do with your life, you can't stay in the same spot. You got to get up. You got to go to another level. She arose. Secondly, says she went. <laughs> says she went, and it says specifically, in a hurry. So it was like one of these. Angel Gabriel shows up, tells her all this stuff. She's got, she's got the, 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 the blue stick. <laughs> and and she, she's sitting there. Mom, Dad, uh, I, I think I, I need to go see Re- uh, Auntie Liz. 
I think I need to go see Auntie. I heard she was pregnant, which is really cool. And I, I want to see what I can do to help. Would you let me go down to Judah and spend some time with Auntie Lizzie, please? And, and I'll come back after the baby's born. I heard she's like in her, somebody said six months. And I'll go down there and help. And then I'll come right back after the baby's born. Why do you want to go now? Oh, I just think, you know, she might need some help. I need help. She needs some help. She got up in a hurry, it says. When God speaks to us, let's not delay. And let's not just not delay in doing what he says. Let's think about the people with whom he wants us to do it. We want to prepare for the coming of the Lord in special ways in our lives and in the lives of others. It's not just about you. It's about you and somebody else doing whatever you're supposed to do with you. It's about relationship. God teamed up Elizabeth and Mary so that there could be synergy in their conversation and between their sons that would be different than anybody else around them. And, oh, would they desperately need it? Mary would need the kind of encouragement that Elizabeth, only Elizabeth, could provide. And God knew that, and so he just slipped that little information in so that she would know there's somebody who's going to get you. Nobody else will. Everybody else will think you're something else. And they will not only think you're something else. The same penalty that meted out the judgment for adultery was there for, for faith, unfaithfulness and betrothal. Death by stoning. How, how was Mary going to get past this? She knew she needed to stay alive in order to birth the child. And, and, and obviously God was going to do it, but she didn't know how. How? How? I mean, Joseph has all the power in this thing. If he doesn't believe me, I could die. I need some... You need assistance when God tells you stuff. You need people who can give you wisdom about how to approach next. You need folks that have been there for a minute and can assist you in the process of understanding how you need to approach people, what you need to say, what you don't need to say, even though God told you, you may not need to tell anybody else. You need help in processing truth. And sometimes you need help in knowing what God didn't say. You got to walk with people that close. I cannot tell you how many times I know God spoke to me. And I went to everybody else. And they said, no, he didn't. <laughs> Wait, but I, I thought I, I thought I, I thought I, uh, okay. I believe that you have placed the right people around me, the right Elizabeths, that will help me understand how to hear well. It may not be that God didn't say. It just may be that God didn't say how I heard. I may have interpreted things wrongly. I may have the timing wrong. Lots of stuff I can mess up. And so I've got people around me that know how to hear with me. They're for me. They help me. They give me insight and understanding. The only way I can prepare us for being the people that needs to prepare for God's coming for our community is if I've got people like Mark Koch and Jim LaFoon and Jim Critcher and Daryl Taylor and all the others who help to make us us. 
I cannot do it on my own. And anybody, you or me, who thinks you can do what God wants you to do all by yourself, is at best deceived, at worst foolish. Because there is so much more that needs to be done outside of what you can do. And God has, has given you the privilege of being in a congregation where there's a pastor who believes in relationships. And although I am not perfect in them, I've got, I've got years of practice. Years. Like three and four decades of hanging out with the same people that sometimes I didn't even like. But God put them with me. And I wasn't going to lose them if they were a gift from him. If they were that little, oh, I want you to know. And your relative, they're doing something they couldn't do on their own either. Just FYI. And when I hear that kind of stuff, I get up and I go in a hurry because they happen to be my future compatriots for what I cannot get done on my own as well if I don't have them. She hurried and went. She got down there and she entered into the house and she greets Elizabeth. We don't know what she said, but whatever the Aramaic of hello is, that's probably what she said. And when she does so, it says the baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt. It had to be a different kind of jump. I mean, in six months, babies are moving around all the time. But this one was like a jump from the free throw. <laughs> all the way Jordan-like dunk. It was like that. So much so that it made Elizabeth go, what was that? On top of that, her voice had Elizabeth now inspired to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just her voice. What voice can do that for you? What voice makes the inspiration that God has put on the inside of you? Jump. The things he has birthed, jump. If it's not mine, whose is it? You ought to be able to hear from human beings as emissaries of God that inspire you to greatness. You ought to be able to hear from human beings. Yes, we are flawed. Yes, we make mistakes. But it should not nullify our voice. Sometimes God really does speak through us to benefit others. Who does that for you on a regular basis? If you don't have somebody, seek them out in a hurry. Find them. And if you, you should be that to somebody else, get somebody next to you where you can mentor and disciple. Elizabeth says, at the sound of your voice, the baby on the inside of me went boom. And then and, and it says she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And this woman, Elizabeth, a person that we have not seen to this point, and we have a little bit of, we have a little bit of history on her. She's not prophesied yet. There's nothing she's done to supernatural. She's just a fine pre-Christian woman, just a good Old Testament saint. And she says this, how is it that the mother of my Lord would come to me? Blessed are you among women. And so 
It's the fruit of your womb. Wait, 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 wait. Now, here's Mary coming to the door, saying hello, entering the house, saying hello. And Elizabeth says, you are blessed among women and the fruit of your womb. How is it that the mother of my Lord comes to me? Mary's saying, you didn't see the blue strip? How? How'd you? I haven't even missed my pair. How do you like? Wait, wait, wait. God told you. It's true. It's true. It's true. Oh, it's true. Oh, I'm in trouble. Oh, I'm in trouble. Oh, I'm in trouble. Liz, uh, Lizzie, can you help me? I don't know what to do. <laughs> Elizabeth prophesies and confirms that which was told by the angel. And anytime God is about to do something where he is preparing his coming, He's always going to bring confirmation to what he's going to do through you. You don't have to just think, well, I heard him and I'm going to go out by myself and make it happen. No, 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 no. You need other people around you to confirm that and to be supports to you in that. That's the way the body is supposed to function. This is why we believe in synergy and relationships, not just those relationships where we feel like, well, this is working for me, so I need to, to keep it. Most of the time, I'm working it. It's not working for me. I'm working it so Jesus can be glorified in the relationship. But it ain't working for me. I ain't getting nothing out of this. Nothing. But the other party is. This isn't one of those sermons where you have a whole lot of amens, so I get it. I really do. I really do. But you're unusually quiet this morning, and it doesn't make me happy. But I'm just going to keep moving. <laughs> Here we have a moment where... Everything in Mary's mind that may have been jumbled up because the, the processors just had not yet put everything in order is now confirmed, and she's saying, you had no idea, yet at the sound of my voice, all that happened, and now you're a prophetess telling me what nobody has told you except God. Thank you. I am so happy I came. Relationships are, are supposed to be a great benefit to you and your progress. If you do not have them, and it's just you and Jesus, you are missing out horribly. And it's not because he hasn't given you the little clues. Uh, he who hasn't been very fruitful is now incredibly fruitful. He who used to be not very good is wonderful now. God has given you little clues, but you haven't taken them. I beg you, here's a big clue. Find anybody. You, as long as you keep finding somebody, you'll sooner or later find the right one. But where you are, staying where you are is not going to help you find the right one. So search and find a relationship that is going to help you be the one who can prepare for his coming. Strength does this. Encouragement, you need it. And then lastly, she says this, blessed are you, fruit of your womb, how is it that the mother of my Lord come to me, and your entire life is going to be wonderfully, wonderfully altered for his glory. And through this kind of encouragement, Mary was able to make it through the next nine months, indeed the next 30 years, because nobody ever looked at her as being somebody who was truthful. Joseph was about to put her away, and the only reason he did not, meaning her, 
her fiance, when he heard that she was pregnant, it says he was a righteous man and he was about to divorce her and put her away, which meant he was going way above what the law said. You could do that in this circumstance because he was the one who was most offended. He could do that. And he decided, I'm not going to do what the, what the law says I, I could do. I'm going to do this. What a great guy. And you can't blame him. Who has this ever had? Where could he find scripture for this? But he is sensitive enough whereby when he goes to sleep, God can talk to him. And an angel says, don't be afraid to take Mary. The angel doesn't even rebuke him in his sleep. He didn't do anything wrong. He only did right. The angel says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the child that has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And you, I'm giving you the privilege of calling him Jesus. I want you to name him. Wakes up, it says in Matthew 1, and he goes and takes Mary as his wife and does not sleep with her until after Jesus is born. That's a dude, dudes. That's a dude. Amazing. My point is God helps. He brings people along that might be your adversary, might be your opponent, might not believe you. He brings them along to aid in the process of what it means for you to complete his will. But you may not have the strength you need to, to tunnel through all the doubt and unbelief unless you got your Elizabeth. Are you listening to me? Can you imagine the way Mary felt when Joseph came to her and said, you got to go. Bye. We're sending you away. You won't be with your mom and dad. Going to another country. I don't want to have nothing to do with you anymore. I can't. Tears. Lord, I thought you were going to... I thought you... But trust, I know what Elizabeth said. I know somehow if God can speak to her, God can speak to him. Lord, can you help me? Next day, Joseph knocks on the door. Baby girl, let's go get married. <laughs> okay, okay, that's great, that's great. <laughs> and then somewhere down the line, not only is there a thank you, Lord. Thank you, Aunt Lizzie. Thank you, Aunt Lizzie. You helped me. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking for your grace to strengthen all of us, to tie ourselves to others so that we can better prepare for your coming.